Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, uh, we have yet another fantastic guest to join our show, uh, Mr. Luke Campbell uh, from the wonderful uh, BC, and he is now from Old Glory, DC. Luke, starting all things off, uh, congrats on the new contract. Um, we're excited to see you back in MLR. Um, are you excited for your really kind of your first MLR training camp? Yeah, thanks guys for having me. Uh, really excited to be honest. Uh, I think regardless if it's your first one or not, this one's pretty special just given the circumstances everyone's been in and the long layoffs. So everyone's kind of itching to get ready to, to get into it. Do you feel like guys, whether, you know, old glory teammates or Canada or any other rugby players that you kind of know are a little bit more hyped to start this season, just because of, I guess, the craziness that basically if you're in kind of North America, nobody's really played a rugby game since like, I guess maybe with the exception of that high performance camp that Canada had, but then like no one's really played a game since like what March or so. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think just overall, playing rugby again is going to bring a sense of normality back to guys that are doing it. Like it's something you would, we were doing for the last 10, 15 years, everyone was doing that. So it's going to just kind of be a nice escape from everything that's going on. And then, yeah, just everyone at the end of the day, we're all here because we like playing rugby. So I know for me, the last game I played was in February and that was one game. I really haven't played rugby in a year and a half. Other guys like uh, Doug and her and the rest of the DC boys, they all played uh, up until March and then it got canceled. So yeah, I think it definitely does bring an extra level of excitement this year. So before we continue to look forward, we just want to take it a step back. And one of the questions we ask all our guests is, what got you started in rugby? Yeah, uh, I think that's actually a really good question, especially in Canada, because generally people have a different story or or maybe it's just the basic I got started in high school. And mine's pretty standard. Like uh, my brother and I always wanted to play football growing up, but our parents would never let us. And then uh, my brother's four years older. And then randomly one day, uh, his buddy is a Fijian guy at elementary school and his uncle and dad started up a program. My dad signed the permission form. So I was like, well, that means in like four years I get to play. And so, yeah, but grade six, I played a little bit. Then it was really in grade eight in high, in high school at Oak Bay where I kind of got rolling with rugby and uh, my dreams of being an NBA player subsided and rugby kind of took over the main sport for me. And, you know, it's, it's funny, you, you kind of talk about your roots in BC, and I think this is something that uh, we've always kind of been curious because, you know, we're all Ontario boys. So I want to ask you this question is what, what's so unique about BC rugby compared to the rest of the country? Uh, I think there's a couple of factors. Like one of the obvious answers is we've got great weather, so we can, we can play a lot of rugby like year round. So that definitely helps out. And then I think it's just the entrenched here. Like, so I'm a James Bay guy, uh, club wise. And uh, we're the oldest club, I think, like athletic club west of the Mississippi, I think is what was our, our claim to fame. And then a, a game we always play against the Rowers in Vancouver is called the Cox Cup, and that's been going on since like the 1880s or 1890s. There's just a lot of history uh, back here with, with rugby, so I think that kind of it's entrenched in a few of the high schools and good local scenes that way. But yeah, it's just a factor, a multitude of factors, and those are probably the two main ones, I would say. You know, who's some of the teams or some of the players that you really enjoy watching? Um, what, and you know, anytime they hit the pitch, you're like, as I know earlier today, you were like, I, I we have to do this interview in the morning because I got to watch the uh, Calcutta Cup later today. So yeah. we know you're, you're just definitely into watching rugby. So who are some of the guys that uh, or teams that get you excited? 
Yeah, well, sorry, the boys are out there watching the France League and I'm banging away right now, so it must be a good try going on. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love rugby, man. Like, I'm a rugby fanatic. Uh, I grew up kind of watching my brother play, and then he was he would wake up early morning, 2003 World Cup, before I was really into it, watch Johnny Wilkinson. Remember the first, like, rugby video game was a, a demo, and it was Wallabies versus England. And my yeah. brother was a Wilkinson fan, so I would play with, as a Wallaby. So I kind of got into watching them. And then, like, the Tri-Nations, so the, the All Blacks. And, like, my favorite player growing up was Kieran Reed. So every time I got to watch him play, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, you could try and be like, oh, maybe I can try and do that. And then, like, oh, he does it way better. How does he do that? <laughs> um, it was really cool. I didn't get to play against the All Blacks at the World Cup, but even just going in for a couple of beers in the change room afterwards and meeting some of those guys was really special. Uh, so, yeah, those teams. And, like, honestly, like, I, I watch so much rugby. It's, it's stupid. Like, when the BC Premiership's going on, like, oh, buddies playing like my two like guys on both teams like okay i'll watch like james bay castaways it's like oh how's like how's their game doing what are they doing like oh yeah he had a really good game like i just like watching rugby and i love watching people i know as well so that's always fun to do i think i think it's also kind of interesting that like as part of your answer there you kind of mentioned a little bit of like your early exposure to the sports through like a video game yeah um, which I think it's interesting because it was like during like that world rugby election, that was kind of one of like um, Pichot's like talking points was that he wanted to try to get a like a big rugby video game kind of off the ground just because do you think like something like that would have have obviously had a bit of an impact on you and stuff? I think it did for me too. For me, it was rugby 08 was kind of like I started, I I was introduced to rugby in high school too. And then like one of my buddies ended up with a copy of rugby 08. So we'd go over to like his house and play rugby 08 after us before any of us ever actually started watching any games. Um, But it's, so I was like, I don't know, like, I'm just curious now, like, what are your thoughts on this kind of like, do you think it's something that that world rugby kind of needs in order to kind of reach that younger audience? Yeah, real quick, I'll tell you a funny story about Rugby 08, actually. So we also had it in my grad lounge at high school. We had it on a PlayStation 2. And we got our grad lounge privileges taken away from us for like two weeks because all of us were just skipping class and going and playing Rugby 08. <laughs> Uh, so that was pretty it's funny. like it's 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 uh i don't know video review or something for it's yeah. how you're better at the ru- for the rugby team it's, it has some academic values yeah. you're learning about like the nations of the world or something yeah sure or just taking jason robinson running in circles and scoring tries so <laughs> but but yeah no i think uh, i think there's another rugby player that came out and said that's one of the biggest things that rugby uh you go you go the uh yeah, yeah manone from uh yeah. from england so i i think it's a fair statement right like especially i think especially today or like in today's world. So like, I know I, my buddy, Jake and Nikki, uh, he gave me a PlayStation in March when like everything shut down. And that's how like I've kept in touch. I like we play online and that's like all the guys get your microphones on. And that's how you hang out now. Right. So especially right now when everyone's kind of on the online world, you've got to expose kids as much as possible to rugby. And that might be a good avenue. And then, Everyone knows how big FIFA is and in, in Canada, NHL and Madden and everything. So I think getting a, a good rugby game out there is only going to improve it, especially in countries where rugby isn't the main sport, but maybe it's like the third or fourth, you know, like countries like Australia, where everyone thinks it's a huge one, but a big rugby game is going to go a long way to get those fringe fans back involved more, I think. My, my full-time job is working in elementary schools and I talk to a lot of kids and like, especially young boys, they love video games. They love FIFA. You know, we've got a big uh, Syrian refugee population. They're obsessed with FIFA. And, it's, and I'm just like, if I could just get a good 
rugby game into your guys' little hands, they'd be bit. They would yeah. love it. Absolutely. But, uh, unfortunately, uh, Rugby 20 or what's what was the other one? Rugby Challenge 3 this year hasn't really hit that that spot yet. Okay. Um, but, Luke, we're going to kind of move on now. Uh, we're going to talk about your time with the Arrows. Because really, you're you're officially the first arrow to sign a contract elsewhere in MLR, so That's you can hang that little told, prestige yeah. on your wall. <laughs> It'll be a um, trivia question in ten years. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, now you joined the team near the end of the season. What was it like to kind of join that locker room? Now it was kind of a, a team kind of in flux throughout the year with the ARC. So what was it like to yeah. kind of join that locker room? Uh, it was great to be honest. Uh, good group of dudes there. Really good, uh, like core core team and they made it was dan moore who's my captain for for that whole season after my first game it was austin the midweek one and he made me sing a song so i sang my song and then he gave a speech about because i mean in reality they were the they transformed from the ontario blues into the toronto arrows and i've been playing the crc since i was 19 for bc so Dan Moore gave a funny speech talking about how a BC kid always dreams about playing for, you know, the Ontario Blues or the Toronto Arrows. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, those guys are awesome. Like I have a lot of guys I still keep in touch with. Um, I lived with the Donardos and their family became like my second family. I called my, my Ontario mom and dad. Uh, so it was super easy environment to come into. Just kind of got, got thrown into it. I, like I said, I landed on a, Wednesday, I didn't play the San Diego game, and I was right into it. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah, I guess you kind of touched on it there. It's like, I know this the stint, I guess, was kind of short, Um, you know, the five games toward the end of the season there. But what was sort of like your first impressions of Major League Rugby? And uh, do you think like it kind of helped, like, you know, set up a little bit of getting, you know, getting kind of guys ready for uh, the World Cup that happened later that year as well? Yeah, well, I mean, I even, I, like I said, I'm a rugby guy, so I was watching everything. But then we get into it. It was, it was awesome. Like it, it was, the, the type of rugby that MLR brings is just so different from anything else because you get different variants of guys who have played at certain levels, and so ta- everyone's attack opinions are, or or attack strategies are different, and their defensive levels are are different variants. So every game is very different from in and out. Like our game against Glendale versus New York versus like when we went down to Seattle and played the semifinal. Every game was very different. Uh, but it was a pretty good level, I thought, or it is a good level and is getting better. So I definitely think it prepared all of us for the World Cup in, in a good way. And I know that was a big factor for why I ended up popping out there, was just to get ready for the World Cup. And so kind of at the World Cup, we'll start off with a little bit of, I guess, kind of a fun thing for it. Um, you kind of made some headlines down in uh, in New Zealand with a quote that mentioned that the, uh, the All Blacks <laughs> are just a bunch of guys in shorts playing rugby. Um, New Zealand, the All Blacks actually kind of found the page again. They had it like on their website for a while, like in the lead up to the game, just kind of the bold headline of just guys in shorts playing rugby. Um, What was, uh, did you kind of expect that quote to kind of get that big of a reaction or was that? Yeah. Um, No, I I think that's a classic like media taking a a script of one little quote and blowing up. And I didn't even think that that would be a, a big quote that would go anywhere. Like I a clickbait headline. Yeah, exactly what it is. Because like the actual, the actual question was like going into this game against the two-time defending world champs. Hard to argue that they're not the best team mm-hmm. of all time. How do you approach that? Being Canada, being a 
you know, a tier two nation where hockey dominates and basketball, baseball, you're, you know, and so I just said, well, yeah, we know they're the best team in the world. At the end of the day, we just got to go out there and tackle them. We've got to go out there and try and get past their tackles, pass the ball. They're just like us. It's like the old saying, everyone puts their, their, you know, pants on one leg at a time. That's pretty much what I was going for with that quote. And it blew up and that's hilarious. And then actually it was really funny because uh, Q was in that interview with me and they used a quote from him and his picture in the headlines. Like, man, now they all think that I, I, I said that. <laughs> and I didn't even end up playing. So it was even funnier. It was like, oh. <laughs> so yeah. what was your experience of um, going over and playing in Japan for those World Cup games? Yeah, so, well, my playing experience was pretty limited. I got the time in Italy and then uh, didn't get to play against the two big dogs. Then our new game got cancelled. Mm. So, I, it's hard to comment too much on that. But the experience as a whole was pretty wicked. Like, just being a part of a World Cup and being some that big. And the first only World Cup. So, the but the buzz around that one was crazy. Like our, one of my favorite, favorite parts was just our training camp in Nagato when we first got there. And they had just like adopted us. There was Canadian flags everywhere. We'd go to schools and they were wearing Rugby Canada kit. It was, we'd go to trainings and be 500 people watching our trainings. It was unreal to be just in that microcosm of like, everything's highlighted. It felt like, you know, you're, you're actually a rock star. Uh, and, but that buzz was taken to every little bit. Like my family was in there as fans. And like people would come up and they'd be singing the national anthem with them before the game. Um, they'd go into, I remember one time there my, as my fiance and my parents went into a bar to watch one of the Japanese games. And it was like all Japanese people. And they, who were they? they might've been playing Scotland. Like, Oh, like these people look like they might be cheering for Scotland. And then when they're like Jap- Japan scored and my family like cheered and everyone's like, yeah, like they, cheered. <laughs> and they all got so excited. So, I think just the experience for me as a player in Japan and experience the World Cup was amazing. And from everyone I've talked to that was there as a fan, said it was so cool the way the country got around everyone, not just Japan, but but the you know there, who's the who's the famous guy with the paint on jerseys? Haka. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I can't uh, remember. I'm blanking on what his his name was though. They had a, yeah. yeah, he painted like every every single. He went to. At least one, I think it was like what he went to at least one match involving every team at the time, yeah. and like, like did like the body paint of all the uh, all the yeah. Teams, yeah. But it was cool like, to see to see the true like power of sport really like, bringing one a country together and two like countries together. So was, after the World Cup, I did a bit of traveling and I was in Tokyo and I met up with a buddy of mine from high school who's a uh, really good basketball player. And ended up we got into rugby for the last couple of years, and he's like, I haven't thought of rugby since I graduated, uh, like eight years ago and he goes i've watched every single game of the world of japan's uh, world cup i was like that's wicked so it was yeah it was super cool to be a part of uh, see even that like i think is uh like i know like there's uh the world cup bidding process i guess opened up last week and you know and um you know oh, that's one of those things that everyone's kind of saying i guess there's those rumors that people want to put together like a u.s canada or joint bid for it yeah. and it's like do you think like as your friend was saying, it's like he hasn't thought about it for a while. But living in a country where the World Cup was happening, it was like I watched every single game. So is that, you know, is a like a Canada USA World Cup? Like is that something kind of like along the lines of the video game? Like do you think that would be like a, like how big of a boost do you think that could be to the sport in North America? Oh, I think it'd be huge. Like you can't deny that having 
was the third biggest sporting event, even just in your anywhere in your backyard. It's going to be on TV. There's going to be signs. You're just going to get exposed to it, and people are going to get on board. Canadians, Americans love sports, right? So it doesn't matter what it is. If we're hosting something, it's going to be well attended. It's going to be well supported. Uh, there's obviously crazy logistics. Like you've got a massive. It's not like having it in Japan where you can just take a bullet train for a couple hours. You got to take a plane six hours across the country, whatever it is, right? So, but. I, the idea of hosting one, I think, is would be huge for rugby North America over the next, you know, whether it be eight years or twelve years, and wherever that may be. I think doing a joint one with Canada, getting a couple of hosting cities in there, would be would be big for us. Uh, World Rugby's had success in North America hosting large rugby events. The thing about all those games at Soldier Field and stuff like that. So it's definitely something that's attainable. It's just <laughs> they got to get all their ducks in a row, especially with yeah. the, the state of USA rugby. And we, and we know that World Rugby wants to tap that the U.S. market, right? It's the biggest sport market in the world. So they're they're trying. And I think if, when the time's right, it'll happen. For sure. Now, let's let's talk about that, that, uh, that sleeping giant, that market, you know, uh, and we're going to talk about your future, especially with Old Glory DC. And, uh, you know, you took a year off from MLR and played some some games with James Bay. But what motivated you to join the fray again and, and go down to, to DC? Uh, so it was always my plan to keep playing rugby. Um, just the way it worked out, I kind of had that, that lull. Uh, but then I was talking to a few different teams and I, uh, the head, head coach at DC got to hold me through Doug and Kieran. And I've been talking to them through the whole year. Uh, really like what the, like they spoke so highly of what's going on down here. I really like talking with Andrew and just the way it worked out. I mean, you don't have it. You don't have a free pickup anywhere you want to go, but this was the one that worked out the best for me and uh, was not where I thought I would be playing rugby. To be honest, uh, I thought I would be in Toronto or in Seattle, like somewhere closer to home. I had no idea what to expect. Like DC was so for, such a foreign idea to me, but uh, so far my time here has been awesome. They do have a great setup. They've got a great group of guys. They've got a ton of support from, you know, local people and the fans from last year. So hopefully that continues on. But yeah, it's it's a new adventure for me and one that I'm very excited about. So um, Ben Foden uh, went on uh, a rugby rugby pass podcast and kind of talked about his first experiences with Rooney and kind of the 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 experiences of of their first training camps and how they had to take like multiple buses to like to their island training camp and stuff like that so my question to you is what has the logistics been like working with old glory dc like you know from from and the big question is we really haven't asked anybody um any canadians about what the process is like from signing your contract to getting the visas and stuff like so how has that whole process been like um working with an american mlr team yeah, so on the first question there about the logistics, that's one of the reasons DC appealed so much to me is because I knew they had a good setup. And so, for example, we, a bunch of us all live in the same apartment complex. We've got like eight three-bedroom apartments, and that is 10 minutes from our training center. Our training center has the field, weights, everything, like offices, everything's right there. And then our, our field is a bit farther away, but that's, you know, once a week kind of thing. So you were we're all so centered and I've, I've talked to guys like on new york actually played them or when i played against toronto and they, they were telling me those horror stories of like three hours of training guys getting off work and can't making it and this and there's a oh, there's an accident so they can't get across a bridge or whatever uh, so our setup here is unreal like super happy to have to have that and then on the second question about the visa 
and the process. It's pretty painless, to be honest. For for well, it depends on I think on your I guess rugby resume. So for me, I signed my contract and then I just I just sent like a essentially a list of what I had done in rugby to DC. They've got a lawyer, does everything. It took forever this time, but the, that was more so like just paperwork and like pandemic stuff. But there was right. never a panic that I wasn't going to get it uh, because like with a sport visa, I guess like once you've hit us, you just got to check some boxes. Some other guys have had some problems, I know, because uh, in the States, one of the things I want to see is why should we allow you to play apart from American? And so uh, like if you played overseas or you played for the national team, that's pretty checks the box. Um, other guys are, are able to get ones like a lot of the pride guys are starting to get contracts mm-hmm. and you know it just takes like i don't know what the exact process so i can't come on too much but it might be a bit more of a process but uh it's becoming more common to see guys uh, younger guys get in and, and be able to get a contract now it was interesting because obviously my experience of uh, rugby has come from like the european background being born and raised in england so when Ben Foden was warned that, oh, you know, it's not going to be like Northampton Saints. I was like, yeah, yeah absolutely not. It's yeah. definitely not going to be like that. And it's like, I, I feel for Rooney because, and he mentions it, like you can't just build a, a, a you know, a training field. You can like, or you can't just like the, to try and build anything in New York is going to cost so much money. So like, I definitely feel for for the team. Cause that's definitely not a, you know, a tough, they definitely have a tough uh, hill ahead and they've obviously adapted and, and they're still getting, you know, high profile players, but like, yeah, watching that video, it's just, it's like poor, no, I'm not gonna say poor Ben, but it definitely is a, like a harrowing experience for anyone that, 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 you know, was coming to America for the first time and having to deal with the New York setup. Yeah. I think it's a huge problem for all the big markets, right? Like even Toronto, when I was there, we were training out in uh, Peterborough or Whitby. Like go to one of the big domes way on like the northeast side, yeah. And then, but then we, you know, sometimes we'd be at York, and it's and they've got it consolidated now at UT, which is like awesome. It's right on the one of the main metro lines, so that's like they've that was just kind of growing pains for Toronto, but other places have the same issues. It's like in Seattle, like I, I can't imagine what LA is going to be like this year or what they ever are no, in LA. Yeah, no, that's. But all the all the ones have that, and that's why we're so lucky in, in DC because it's a pretty sprawling. I don't know what's what well, we're just lucky. Uh, but yeah, New York's like it's a little tiny island. What are you going to do? Old Glory, obviously, you're going to be part of the back row. They have a pretty solid back row setup, back row contingent there with uh, Caleb Gibson, Mungo Mason, Ma- uh, draft pick Matthew Gordon, Nick Mirisham, and Jamison Fanana Schultz, who has some Eagles caps under the belt. How do you see yourself kind of factoring into that squad this year? Uh, can you be a bit more specific? Oh, I was just like, well, if I guess like, what are your kind of like your expectations for yourself kind of this season right. when you take a look at the squad and like, um, you know, like just kind of wh- where do you feel like your style of play can fit in to help um, Old Glory DC this year? Yeah, so that's a good question. Like I was brought in to do a job like and the coach doesn't, he doesn't, he's not just picking hats, names out of a hat. He's like, we want you to come in and do this. So he's got to roll it up. He wants me to play. And it's kind of like rugby I've always played and that's to be, you know, get up and, and run and work and, and be a big body around the field and, and get get some of the, not necessarily dirty, dirty work, but get over the game line, they got the ball, hit them. So I'll be playing, you know, that kind of role down here. And I think the balance of our back row is, is 
pretty awesome. And we've got, we've got bodies to rotate in and out. So you should see a bunch of fresh guys running around and doing what you want. You, you want to see a back row do, which is be everywhere and, and be, be impactful in the game. Now, um, that list that Derek kind of just kind of rhymed off, do you feel that, you know, the logistics of, of, a, of a season in COVID-19, do you think that there will be a lot of rotation and, and uh, different kind of setups um, throughout the year? Hard to say, man. I have no idea. Like, uh, I, I don't know Andrew well enough to know what his ideas are on that. And COVID's a curveball for everyone. So we have no idea what that's going to be like. I know like the protocols we got in place right now should help, help mitigate some of that stuff. And hopefully awesome. we aren't like, you know, the NFL where guys are sitting out for two or three weeks and hopefully with everything going on and more vaccines getting out there and hopefully we can get ahead of it as opposed to behind it. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a wild ride this season. That's for sure. Now also on the team, our friend of the podcast, Doug Fraser and other Canadian international Kieran Hearn. Um, have you been in contact with those guys directly? Um, have you, have they given you any hints of like, Oh, once uh, things of, we want to over here and pass through quarantine. These are the places that hit up in DC or anything along those lines. Uh, so I'm actually in DC right now and they're on the couch in my living room. They're my roommates. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. So, Question answered. So yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they've been like, they've been great. They're one of the reasons I'm down here, like I said, they were speaking so highly of DC uh, and like her and I flew down here together. Dougie was, Dougie's been down here for a long time. Her and I got here about two, three weeks ago. So we've done all our, we've, Lay, lay low quarantine and then we've been training for the last little bit uh, but yeah they've they lived like right in dc last year we're just on the other side of the river so a bit bit farther away but also with covid not a lot going on but yeah like i love the idea of being in dc i love museums and history and that stuff I'm a bit of a nerd that way so once it all cools down i'm super excited to go explore i've got a friend of mine um a couple that I, I met through some friends that are actually from DC. So like, yeah, we'll take you, take you to see all the spots when it's, when it's an option. So awesome. Yeah. Derek, you asked me why I was wearing this, this London Irish sweater. And it's because of Kieran. I just, I just put the two <laughs> and two together. That's exactly why I'm wearing it. There you go. That's nothing. The reason that I just want to show it off. Um, so, you know, the uh, reloaded schedule as, as some of the teams have uh, kind of branded it has just been released. Are there any games that, you know, you have circled in your calendar already that you're like, Oh, okay. We play the arrows then, or we play <laughs> Seattle then. Like, are there any of those games that you're like, I am fired up to play this year? Uh, so the f- easy answer is the first one, I think, which is New Orleans at New Orleans, I, I believe. Uh, so I'm just like excited to play again. Like it's been, it's going to be, it'll be been 13 months about since I'd played rugby. So that'll be super exciting. Obviously Toronto will be fun to go up and play against the old team and a bunch of friends. Uh, we were originally supposed to play in Seattle in June, and Dougie and Hearn and I were all super excited, and there's a bunch of Canadian boys there, so we're hoping maybe at that point that friends and family will be able to come down. Now we play Seattle here, so won't have that that luxury. But yeah, I think those are the the answers for me would be the, the first one, uh, obviously Toronto, and yeah. Just to kind of end off here, you mentioned that uh... – you know, the, we can kind of, you can kind of hear in the background, uh, Doug and Kieran watching the uh, the Six Nations. Yeah. Uh, we know you're excited for the Calcutta Cup matchup later today. Do you have any bold predictions for how the tournament's going to play out? Is there any players that you're kind of looking forward to make a big impact? And uh, ultimately, I guess, who do you think is going to take it this year? 
And then to preface this, last last podcast we recorded, Derek, we, we said some hot takes for the Six Nations, and Derek said that Italy was going to get the Grand Slam. So that's a joke. You guys can't take jokes. No, that is 100% serious. Yeah, so you can see how at the World Cup things get taken out of context. Yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying, Luke. Yeah, it was... It's unfair what happened to you. It's unfair what's happening to Dan now. And then he's gonna br- he's gonna bring it up in a year too, just like I just brought up your quote from like, over a year. Yeah. Ago. So it's gonna be. Uh, yeah. You're the media now, Derek. I know. <laughs> we suck just like the rest of it. <laughs> Let's see. So who do I want to watch play? Um, I love watching like Finn Russell play. I think he's just so much fun. Uh, Watching anyway. videos of him juggle just absolutely blow my the mind. Tennis rackets and the tennis balls. Yeah, because <laughs> you're already super talented. Why do you need to be talented yeah. in another thing? So I love watching those. I just and then man, I think I think France will take it. I think they're unreal yeah. right now. Uh, even with Entomaco, like there are their ten Jubilee, just with a J. Uh, he's awesome. Jubilee Dupont. Uh, like I, I think they're the the team to beat. Uh, it's going to be, but again, like with everything going on with COVID, it's going to be a bit of a leveling field, I think, but I still think they're the cream of the crop and we'll take it. So, yeah. Well, Luke, we really appreciate you taking the time out of this and uh, we'll let you join the other guys to uh, see if uh, Derek's prediction was wrong or not. <laughs> um, but if anyone wants to listen to our episodes uh, previously, you know, we've had his, his roommates, Doug Fraser on the show. We've had, uh, his former uh, yacht captain Jeff Hassler on uh, <laughs> pretty recently so if you want to listen to any of these previous episodes um, go to LaRouche Rugby on YouTube or on any of the podcast platforms and if you want to reach out to us we're on all the social medias Facebook, Twitter and Instagram um, and then leave us a review on any of the platforms You know, let us know how, what, what you want to see what who you want us to interview next and uh, Luke, thanks again for coming on, man. We really appreciate this, and we love getting another perspective. We can get all, all of the guys with all the different perspectives on the show. It just makes the experience of learning more about cleaning rugby even better. Thanks for having me, fellas.